what's up guys it's another episode of the audio rambling podcast and as always i'm joined by mark say hi mark hello hi mark we are back for another episode and in what's been a very very hot sweltering ever ongoing summer here in the uk if you're from any other parts of the world we are having a ridiculously hot summer i'm actually pouring with sweat as i'm talking and as we're doing this podcast if you do hear a little bit of outside noise with this episode i've got i've had to have both my windows open a fan running it's just it's about 30 degrees and it's about like eight o'clock at night it's just ridiculous the level of humidity and heat um it's ridiculous summer isn't it mark yeah no i also am um using the classic acoustics trick of leaving the back door open um, <laughs> so yeah no my you may end up with some sounds in me as well although i i'm not like facing a big old road so most of those fish outs will blame him yeah unfortunately i um uh, the flat that uh currently live in um does back out onto a main road um, which actually gets quite quiet in the evening, but we do have a tendency to have some moped drivers who like to like really rev their mopeds as they go past, as if they're trying to prove a point. So if you suddenly hear a really, really loud, like, meow, while I'm talking, I do apologise. There's nothing I can do about that. Hopefully, if that does happen, it will be during the bits that I'm not talking and I can just cut it out. So, you know, fingers crossed. But, yeah, it's it's been a very, very... um hot one um and it doesn't look like it's going to stop so yeah so as always let's um before this turns into a weather podcast yeah, yeah, which yeah. i don't think anyone <laughs> you know the around the... <laughs> um... yeah basically it's fucking not mate <laughs> yes let's start off as we always do with some awesome awesome news and there's been a lot going on in our own personal little world namely for you and then there's yes. also just been the general news yeah, so I mean, our, our main uh, talking point this episode is going to be on some personal news. Uh, and let me just tell you, it did cost me quite a bit, but worth every penny. We'll go into that more when we get to it. Uh, in terms of like what other uh, world of audio things have been doing, uh, we've had a few pieces of TC Electronic news that we actually both of us want to talk about this week. Uh, do you want to start or shall I? Um, go for it. You do the okay. others. Kick off. Uh, all right. So I'll start with the the cool one, uh, and then I'll move on to the silly one. And I think you've got another couple of comments. So the, the first one, the um, one of TC Electronics. I mean, they're, they're a company that I think we both got a lot of time for, and we've mentioned positively in in the past. There, uh, I don't think either of us own any of their stuff. But they're quite a sort of innovative company, things like their sort of tone print, allowing uh, pedals to be upgraded, all that sort of stuff. Uh, one of the pedals that we, not us, the two of us, but our, our mate George has is the Ditto Looper. And this is a yep. whole um, family. He's got the one that is sort of very small, very simple, and it adds just sort of like a bunch of extra sort of looping capabilities in a really small footprint. But they also do some more um, featured ones. Uh, and they've just released a new addition to the uh, the Ditto family, uh, which is the Ditto X2 Jam. Now, what makes this one uh, like really interesting to me is that rather than the loop being of a fixed length, it can use either an inbuilt microphone or I think it can have an external input that will detect the BPM that you're playing at. So it also includes, yeah, clip-on mic that you could perhaps attach to the kick drum. And so it sort of works out the speed you're playing at and adjusts the playback speed of the loop to to fit with the jam. Oh, wow. And That's that... That's really cool. Yeah. So it's, it's one of the, the sort of key features of modern music is that it is, it is very much to the grid. Uh, and I think that is something that has gone more and more as we've producing music on computers, um, even when all of the instruments are um, completely live performances, usually they are recorded to like a click track and they, they fit to the grid. And that's definitely um, 
you know, it, it works and there's, there's plenty of tricks that you can use to, to, you know, change tempos and all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't have the same feel as when you're playing live um, and you've got that push and pull with your other band members and, and this bit of the song just goes a little bit faster because it's a little bit more exciting. And it's it's something that very naturally musicians do. It's very difficult for, uh, for computers to do. So to yeah. have a piece of technology that is incorporating that, uh, for me, is, is a really interesting step. And I, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very interested in that. And it looks really cool. Yeah, very. Yeah. looks like a very, very um, cool bit of uh, kit there. And um, I'm sure it's the kind of thing that will get a lot of cool usage. So, yeah. And um, what's the other TC electronic okay, thing? So, uh, the other one is substantially sillier. Uh, oh yeah, in well, so for some of their pedals, you can upload what they call tone, pr tone prints, which are basically sort of presets that make the pedal sound completely different. And some of these have been done by various musicians. Um, and one of them, they had a bit of a fuss about recently. Um, so they, uh, the guitarist from the band Steel Panther, apparently it's called Satchel, strange name for guitarist, but. Uh, created a preset that was called Pussy Melter, uh, which prompted a, a petition which had it re removed because it is obviously sexist. Um, yep. And uh, TC Electronic sort of copped this, um, sort of took it down, and they've sort of since released it under a new name. Apparently, after 10 days of furious email correspondence, uh, late night phone calls and countless suggestions from Satchel, all of which were even more offensive than the original. Uh, they decided to just sort of go with the simple repeat offender. Uh, and they also, <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, they also, uh, as a sort of as a bonus in all this, so to release uh, Satchel's other tone enhancing tone print, the Viagra substitute. Uh, which has been sorely missed by fans of music and blood vessels the world over. I am at this point, sorry, reading from the TC Electronic press release. Uh, but yeah, no, they've, um, they're, they obviously are a company with a sense of humour, but I overstepped the line there and have sort of managed to sort of walk back it in a, a sort of fairly humorous fashion. So that's a bit of a game. Yes. Steel, Steel Panther are basically a band, I think they've been around for the last, 10, 15 years or so, and they, they harken back, they base their whole look, their whole sound, their whole style on that 80s hair metal, um, glam hair metal kind of look. So, you know, they are totally 100% inspired by the likes of Motley Crue, Poison, all of them, Scorpions, all that kind of like proper, proper hair metal kind of vibe that was going on in the 80s. And that's what their sound is and everything. And obviously back then it was all um, a lot more... I mean, all those kind of hair metal bands were meant to be a bit raunchy and it was definitely a lot more sexist and stuff. So yeah. him coming out with something with a name like Pussy Melter, I, I did see, I saw something about it actually. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I was like, I'm not surprised they got into trouble with that because it's just, yeah, you, it's sexist. It's just wrong. You just can't do it, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's in it, keeping with, it, it's, it, it, I'm not surprised he suggested that name because it's just in keeping with what the band is and the whole shtick and what they do, you know? Yeah, no, entirely. It's one of those things where they are, because they are very into it and you have to, you only have to look at the, the sort of amount of eyeliner this guy's wearing. So that he's not taking himself entirely seriously. So there's obviously sort of levels of, of irony to the sexism and, oh, you know, whatever. But while it may be yeah. something, I think it's still, like a overstepping line from the band's point of view, but certainly for a company like TC Electronic, who are actually sort of a very reputable company, you kind of need to um, remember which century you're living in. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think it's obviously they were like, all right, what do you want to name your pedal? He's come up with, I'm going to call it, you know, yeah, the Pussy yeah, Melter. Yeah. Um, and um, he's, and then they've gone, okay, cool. And they've for, kind of forgot their marketing department and their, like, you know, their team and forgotten, oh, wait, hang on, we're in 2018 and not 1988. And, um, yeah. and gone, oh, yeah, we'll, re we'll release it. And all the fans will find it hilarious. And all the people who are into hair metal will find it hilarious. And, you know, people will be like, ha, 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 funny. But, um, 
yeah. it's also gonna it's gonna it is gonna offend and it, it just doesn't really you, you know it's nah it doesn't work yeah no <laughs> it, it just doesn't so, and it, like even, yeah. even if you're not doing it from just like a, a decent person point of view from a purely capitalist point of view sort of women are yeah. the largest growing market in the guitar world and you know it it just sort of makes sense to to not be a dick about it uh, so you, yeah, that... um, can I ask one question on this? Go for it. Go do for you it. think it, 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 they may have got a, got away with it if they just call it the genital melter? Although that sounds really sinister. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I, I think it's it, it's why there is the sort of double stand and the sort of um, the other one sort of Viagra substitute yeah. is yeah is, is following the sort of same shtick, but it's one that is sort of like. Ugh! And it's it's sort of a very uh, coming from the the masculine point of view, and it's sort of yeah no if you if you'd called it dick melter then every man would just go ah! it doesn't there isn't that's why it's sort of double standard isn't it yeah um, yeah no a hundred percent agree so yeah so okay that's um that's our chat on all misogynistic yeah, no, um, <laughs> right uh, so we've talked about the weather we've we've talked about sexism. Uh, as as yeah. I said, some other TT electronic news. <laughs> just just yeah. like moving quickly on. And and this is definitely this uh, you know uh, this has got nothing to do with uh, misogynistic names or anything like that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> in fact, in fact, TT Electronic have gone very sensible with this. Um, so basically, TT Electronic have unveiled two affordable base heads: um, the BQ250 and the BQ500. So. Um, I'm guessing with the 250 being a 250 watt head and the uh, 500 being a 500 watt head. Now, um, both are, yeah, um, both are basically MOSFET preamps, four band EQs and a, th a thrust compressor on board. So that's their onboard compressor that they've got. It's a bit like my Reed Mars gone onboard compressor mm -hmm. as well. Um, you, you know, always very handy to have. Um, so they've got the the preamp custom design four band EQ, and basically, they are at the moment the price being quoted on Music Radar is the BQ two fifty is going to come in at one hundred and ninety nine dollars. So I'm guessing it'll probably be about one hundred and ninety nine pounds here when once you've included tax and importing and everything. And the BQ five hundred is going to be two hundred and forty nine dollars. So we're probably looking at two fifty, two hundred fifty pounds, maybe a little bit more once you've thrown in all the tax and everything else. Um, and also around the back, there's a balanced DI output, which is becoming quite the norm with a lot of these modern heads. Um, you know, with a pre post EQ routing and a headphone output and a auxiliary input for practice. So all the kind of stuff that you pretty much now see standard on all these kind of like mini smaller heads that are quite affordable. Yeah, they are, they are they're really small, um, and it's a lot. Basically, it's got like the full kind of um, features that my Reedmar has. Probably it's a bit smaller because TC Electronic, but they're like their base heads are usually you know their heads are usually very very small. I like the TC Electronic sound. You know they give a very very nice nice sound generally, and they you know you can manipulate them and they're quite malleable and flexible. So and you know they've always. TC Electronic are a company that always, you know, never scared to put in technology into their stuff, like the tone print stuff. You know, TC Electronic enter a point in the market that's very, very competitive now. You know, you have a lot of companies doing these small, like, heads mm. on, and I'm talking more on the bass side. I know there's also stuff on the guitar side, but I've got more experience on the bass side. You know, that basically start retailing from, like, anywhere from about, like, £150 upwards. And, you know, they're these small heads that you can take and you can like you know have them with a small cab i mean i've got mine with a two by ten or you can quite easily link out with a four by ten and then you know you can just take it if you're going to have a band practice rather than like relying on the practice amp there you can just take these little heads because they're so tiny you just lift it up take it there with you plug it in and you know you've got more of your tone there on the go so it's yeah i i can see these selling pretty well um it's a very competitive marketplace at the moment in that price range yeah, I mean, I think the um, the sort of shrinking of guitar heads and bass heads has lots to do with um, a lot more companies using these Class D amplifiers seem to be becoming sort of the, the done thing for, for solid state power amps, um, and it's it yeah definitely seems to be sort of more lightweight and it, those sort of technological shifts are driving a change in in the design of them, um, like yeah. 
So yeah, so I guess that's, I mean, you know, that's all the TC Electronic news. I mean, if TC Electronic wants to sponsor uh, future episodes, we, we clearly have heard to talk about them for bloody ages. Yeah, let's talk more other companies and more other news and other releases and stuff. So what's on your radar? Should we talk two companies at once? Oh, let's do it. Let's be complicated. Because there was a, uh, a news story that both of us um, mentioned. Um, and in a previous episode when we were doing uh, our microphone uh, comparisons, uh, we tested uh, my blue spark against Vishal's blue snowball. Oh, yes. Um, so we're obviously both uh, fans of blue microphones. In fact, I'm using the Spark to record now. I assume you're using your. I indeed. Yep, I am. As well, as always, my ever faithful snowball. Yeah, so we're both both using blue microphones. So again, this is another company that that we obviously sort of approve of. Um, but interestingly, it has been now bought out by Logitech. Um, so yeah, we both noticed this news story. What were your initial thoughts? So. My uh, I, my initial thoughts were like, oh, okay, wow. You know, um, Logitech are a huge company who've been around for 25, 30 years, maybe longer than that. You know, they've been doing computer peripherals for absolutely ages. You know, if you wanted a mouse, you always get a Logitech mouse, mm. you know. And they've even become really successful within the, um, like, you know, within the video, within the com- gaming side of, like, computer peripherals. So, you know, they make very high-quality kind of specialist uh gaming mi- gaming mice gaming keyboards uh gaming headsets as well so i was like that's really interesting and they've they've paid it in cash as well so i was like clearly logitech have the money but when you think about it actually logitech are such a huge company that makes sense but it also seems like a really good deal for them and maybe for the guys at blue as well blue i don't know how long blue have been going but they've certainly become bigger recently um you know especially i mean you acquired your really nice microphone but they've really made headway into the podcasting world you know if you and we mentioned this uh, founded in 95 okay so there you go so yeah so what they're 23 years old so you know in terms of a company still you know not too old you know they've been around for a while I, they really where they've excelled is they they found that the whole podcasting thing was becoming you know really really big and they've made these microphones they have a whole range of podcasting microphones which we've talked about before starting from the lower end at about like 40 50 pounds give or take going all the way up to like you know 100 200 pounds and they're really really good quality really easy to use and lots and lots of people are doing podcasts podcasts have become really popular especially in the last three four years also a lot of people started using them for um streaming so you know when people are streaming themselves playing video games on twitch uh or maybe live streaming on youtube all these kind of you know platforms and things people have been using these blue microphones because they're so easy to use you just plug in plug them in and use them and you know a lot of people who are streaming aren't necessarily sound people so i think it's really cool because it's a tech company who's been around for years and is still very very well thought of and is always making really good peripherals acquiring a microphone company that's you know not the oldest microphone company but is also has found a niche for themselves and is doing very very well what i i have a feeling and this is just me totally assuming things is that logitech have obviously now acquired them and are going to let blue be blue you know they they i don't think they're going to do this asset stripping kind of thing i don't it doesn't seem like that kind of thing i think they've acquired them and they'll just let blue still run as blue release microphones and stuff what i think where it will be interesting is where they might swap um tech around so like i said logitech do i'm pretty sure they do headphones for gaming and stuff you know i might be a little bit wrong but i'm pretty sure they do and what they can do is then they can use yeah. you know they can use those components that blue have and blue are are really good at making microphones they can use that in their headsets and thus make better microphones for headsets you know which would be amazing for them and beneficial and then logit on the flip side for blue logitech can use you know their years of expertise in marketing, you know, bigger budgets and stuff to help push like the blue product range further afield. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if they how much more they continue doing the more audio like uh, musical side of things. So releasing like the microphones like your Spark, um, you know, or whether they'll just concentrate. Well, even my even my Spark is still very much an entry level microphone, and, and Blue's catalog does go <clears throat> well up into the sort of high end microphones. They've got some that. Um, well, I, I just sort of did a quick search to find out how old Blue Microphones was, and the first shopping result is a two and a half thousand pound Blue Cactus. So you know, they have definitely been working in sort of all levels of the audio um, industry. So, and yeah, I'm not sure, not sure how long the, the Spark had been out before I got it, or sort of what their um, entry-level models were sort of in the years before that but it's definitely something where as you say they have definitely found um a niche as being good podcasting microphones and obviously no uh slower intended on all the other companies who i'm sure are excellent web you know what i mean uh blue do some very good podcasting microphones so with them being bought by logitech i, I definitely think that side of things is 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 going to thrive. I mean, like the, in terms of the sort of shops where people go looking for computer gear and they are likely, if they're doing it for sort of gaming or podcasting, they're likely to be thinking of their microphone and headphones as computer gear. And when somebody like Logitech can sort of marry the expertise of people with blue, with those kind of markets, I think that side of it is definitely, I, I, I can totally see why Logitech wanted to acquire Blue. I can totally see why Blue said, yeah, all right, we'll take your money. That sounds great. Um, it's the, the sort of whether we're going to see less of them on the audio side of the market uh, and sort of more focusing towards that consumer tech, not necessarily a bad thing. Um, higher quality consumer tech is not something I'm, I'm going to have a go at. It's just going to be a really interesting one to see what the, that sort of future evolution is or whether as they whether they'll just sort of leave them to carry on with that side of the market and let them deal with that, but just sort of bringing more of the ideas into the um, sort of tech world. It's to me from the outside, it looks like a win-win for both. Um, from the musical side of point of point of view, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So early days yet, um, but it's kind of an exciting one, and it's just to kind of uh, watch this space and see what happens, I think, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's only one other sort of bit of news uh, that I had uh, of something that I just thought was was quite amusing. They've announced a Kickstarter of something they call Oddball, uh, which is a Bluetooth MIDI controller, which basically uh, just sort of sends a signal every time you bounce it. And it's pressure sensitive, so the harder you bounce it, it increases the, the velocity of the signal. And it means that you can sort of like program drum beats by by sort of throwing a ball and bouncing it off a wall and it just looks like great fun and like they had uh different ones programmed for sort of different rhythms and they were sort of like juggling and making a song and it was yeah uh i mean in terms of practical uses low <laughs> but uh it there is something about that, that sort of rhythm that you you get you don't you know when you throw a ball and you, you know there's a bit of our uh, uh, our brain from our distant past calculate you know we know exactly when it's going to hit and you so you get those those good rhythms but yeah uh yeah <laughs> not much to say about that one i just thought it was funny is, is that is that like to totally useless item of the week then we should do maybe a feature like that yeah yeah, yeah. No, not, not totally useless just sort mainly of, quite like, useless mostly, mostly useless, useless. Yeah. yeah mostly useless item of the week there you go maybe we'll make this a thing the very first one is this mini Bluetooth bouncing ball. What other news have we got? So, yeah, news, 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 more news, and a big, well, it's not big news, but it's always good when there's a new EQ released by one of your favorite uh, plugin designers and those wizards over at Slate Audio, who I'm sure we've mentioned God knows how many number of times, have released a new EQ, the FGA. So, um, if you've used Slate stuff before or if you're not aware, um, they have released a lot of EQs and uh, compressors over the past. They have released in the past the FGS and the FGN and the Custom Series EQ and the Custom Series Lift, and now they've released the FGA. 
So FG stands for Fabrice. So just for anybody who um, like is wondering why you would need so many EQs, Slate are basing them on um, famous analog EQs, which have obviously all got their own character just because, you know, with, when you're building things with physical components, there's all those sort of quirks involved. Yeah. Everybody likes those quirks. And so companies like Slate and Slate are actually very, very good at it. Um, sort of copy the, the sort of circuitry and the way that it affects the sound. So you're getting some of that sort of mojo that these analog um, equipment has. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as you just alluded to, so basically F the FG the stands for Fabrice Gabriel is the guy who's basically one of the, probably one of the most wizards who's able to program these things and figure out the algorithms and works very closely with Stephen Slate and the rest of the team over at Slate to help d design these plugins and model them on the analog gear and to try and get all the attributes and the characteristics of the analog gear. So uh, that's what the FG stands for. So the FGS is, um, which is, it's called the FGS Brit 4 EQ, which is basically based on that SSL strip and uh, based on the classic SSL strip. And that's, um, you know, so they, they've modeled, modeled it on that. Then the FGN, the Brit N EQ, is based on a Neve strip, and so they've done the modeling on that. Uh, the Custom Series EQ, off the top of my head, I cannot remember what that is actually modeled on. The Custom Series mixes and matches parts, like different bands from some of his favorite ones. So he, he took... Yes. It, it's not based on a specific one, but it's almost like, um, yeah, Frankenstein of some of his favorite ones. And... Having used it quite a lot recently, I love it. It's a great EQ, and it's very, very, you can notice the changes. So now they've finally released the FGA, which is basically a vintage American equal, uh, equalizer EQ, and it's based on an API strip. And API, much like um, Neve, much like um, SSL, if you, you know, if you know these guys, they're companies that make these who's if you've ever walked into a recording studio uh, and you've seen a big you know mixing desk sat there chances are it's you know it might be an ssl an api a neve um you know i'm trying to think of a few others but th those three are probably three of the biggest off the top of uh, my head and they've got you know within those uh within those uh, mixing desks you'll find eq strips you know so they've got built-in eqs and compressors and you'll root you know, your signal into them so that it can go through the EQ and then you manipulate the EQ to try and get the sound you want. And so, yeah, Slate have now finally decided that they've, uh, you know, they've been working very hard to basically get the FGA and they've modeled it on the classic API strip. So it's basically, um, you know, um, it's dubbed the Vintage American Equalizer and it's a recreation of um, the API 550 four band EQ, which as sound as hand put is much revered. So there might be people listening to this who've been in like, you know, massive recording studios. And a lot of these EQs are usually that um, Slate model their, you know, um, model their software on. And there is, is very, very popular and famous EQs that have very, very, uh, have characteristics that are very noticeable, I guess, or, you know, that, when you're mixing with um and they've they've been on like these eqs some of these eqs have been on some of the biggest hits in music history and you know they give a certain sound and they do certain things um and you know in the past companies have tried to you know when the whole plug-in thing started happening you know companies would try and do the whole emulation but you never get that maybe that kind of vibe that i guess that kind of uh analog vibe that would be hard and slate have been quite good at it so yeah th this has just been released i think it came out last late last week so it's been about a week since now we're recording the podcast i and it's part of slate's everything bundle um now i haven't i haven't got around to play with it just yet but i'm looking forward to it it will it, i'm sure it'll be really good so uh apparently the original you know um the, the whole thing about the original eq was it garnered a claim because of its use of like all discrete 25 20 op amp gain stages and proportional q curves um so you know um and a, the whole thing about a proportional q curve and this is i'm taking this from the sound on sound website is 
as a frequency is boosted, the filter bandwidth narrows. So it makes it an EQ that can be both surgical and gentle, depending on how your gain setting is. Um, so yeah, I'm really intrigued to play with this and see how it sounds. Um, generally, if you've ever been on any of the Slate groups or if you've ever gone onto the Slate YouTube channel, they'll do A-B tests of the original analog gear with their plugins, and it can often be very hard to tell. Um, I myself, a lot of the stuff that Slate do model their, you know, analog gear on, I've never tried the analog stuff. My introduction to it's all been through the plugins. So I'm really, really interested in in trying this out. I have the Everything uh, bundle, which um, if you, uh, which I'm sure we've mentioned before, is basically like you pay a subscription. So I pay a yearly amount and I get access to all the plugins. So with this FGA, I don't actually need to buy it. I can just go ahead and download it and then I'll be able to use it within slate's virtual mixing rack which is really handy um if you do want to buy it you can buy it outright and they've got an introductory price of 149 dollars and then it will go up to 179 dollars i can't wait to try it out any did you any views on it from your side of things mark i mean i like similar to you i've not used anywhere near enough studio gear to have any opinions on how accurate the slate stuff is but it sounds yeah. good. Um, they're they're adamant that it sounds near and indistinguishable from from the original. Fair enough. It does it does definitely sound good. And it, like we've had um, when we've like tried some of the sort of like preamps and console channels and stuff in the past, the API um, sort of versions of of other things like preamps, whatever that, that Slate have produced in the past, have sounded good. So yeah, no, I'm I'm intrigued to, to sort of see how this sounds. Um, you can't put your finger on what it is like you can't be like oh right i know exactly what that is it's doing but it does something that just gives it that analog vibe that kind of warmth that kind of little bit extra oomph mm -hmm. you know um and makes it sound a little less surgical the way things can sound within in the digital domain yeah i mean i think i think personally i'm sort of more uh interested in things like the the custom series because that's then um because that then comes from like uh the coder's taste and experience and creating something that draws on all these other pieces of equipment but is creating something new rather than creating an emulation of something that, that already existed like if you know given the choice between the the slate emulation of an api eq or an actual api eq i know which one i would pick now obviously financially that isn't a choice that i'm likely to make but you know in in however many years somebody is going to come up with a slightly better emulation so it's in some senses a slightly losing game and that they're definitely one of the sort of lead runners in the game at the minute is great but I think some of the there have been like little a few of the plugins that they've done that have got a real sort of unique character to them, and those are probably the ones that I think have that longevity built into them in a way that copying somebody else's stuff doesn't necessarily have. I mean, look, I'm not going to turn down like the thing is with say that they're giving you like essentially very very close copies of whole load of classic gear for a pretty reasonable subscription so you know in in terms of that market but i think that's very symptomatic of the age that we're we're living in sort of we had that sort of you know, golden age of recording where they used all this analog equipment that had all these quirky characters to it because that was literally all they had then as it got into the sort of pristine digital age then people were like, oh, we miss all those analog quirks. And now we're in the age of of using all of our IT and coding skills to sort of replicate those. But it's because it's it's only sort of emulation. Um, whereas, as I say, something like this sort of custom series is because it's an original. It has something that you can't take away from it by just sort of you, nobody else can say, Oh, here's a closer emulation of the custom series EQ because it's like what you're on about. Um, but yeah, random thought. Now, time for the main event. Now, if 
some of you have been following us on the old social of the medias, i.e. our Facebook page, my personal Instagram, uh, our Twitter page, my personal Twitter, and Mark's personal Twitter. You will have seen that Mark unveiled his new shiny amp when we went amp hunting mm. in the absolute blistering heat oh God, yeah. on Friday, about three days ago, as of the recording of this podcast. And Mark, take it away. Yeah, so the, the, the backstory is, um, as a teenager, uh, <laughs> I bought myself an amplifier. Um, when you went looking and... at porn? <laughs> Look, I can multitask. Um, <laughs> anyway, I bought as yeah, I bought myself an amplifier, and I bought myself the first generation Vox Valvetronics AD60, uh, mm. which was a modelling amp that also included a valve in it to sort of get more of that analog sound, and had you know like sixteen different amp models, a whole bunch of you know effects, modulation, reverb, you name it, it had it. Preset, 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 presets, uh, foot controller. You know, it was the fully spec. And actually, uh, before I say anything else about it, I do want to say it's still the most intuitive, um, like hands-on interaction that I've had for any sort of modeling gear. There's just something about the way that amp is laid out of just sort of like dial, picking your amp, dialing in your effects. It's just sort of, you know. Obviously, I sat and read the manual three or four times because I'm a geek. But actually, just sort of like going over to the amp and using it, I've I've never come across any modeling thing that's quite as intuitive. Um, so you know, it, it was a good amp, like lots of good sounds in it. Um, and I I gauged with it, jammed with it, recorded with it. Good amp, good amp. You know, I'm not um really complaining about it. But uh, this actually sort of like ties into the sort of feelings that I was expressing a minute ago with it's, you know, with all these sort of um, emulations, no matter how good they are, it's not the same as the real thing, is it? I'm that shithead. <laughs> um, <laughs> At least you admit it. Yeah. But in some ways, even if. Um, the sound is as good and like there are some people who claim things like the the Kempers have got there but what I wanted was something that was an extension of my instrument an extension of me as a musician uh, wow I didn't realize I was going to get this wanky this quickly never mind and I, I wanted something that that was much more uh, focused in what it did that yeah was a fully analog um, all valve amplifier, and that really sort of embodied its own character brilliantly, rather than doing a whole bunch of stuff pretty well. Um, and also, you know, I haven't had a a gig in ages, and mostly it's been we've been sort of like recording musicians more than sort of you know touring musicians, so having something that could be that sounded great and could be cranked up but still be at sort of you know social volumes was yeah. was kind of important so i was looking at various small all valve amps mm. um have you got any comments on what i've said so far well i mean i remember when you bought the Valvetronics. We were fresh-faced sixteen-year-olds, you know, and it I was think a it big might have been deal. Seventeen. We'd been in, yeah. in the band for a while, jamming with yeah. my tiny, terrible practice amp um, before I actually I was, I was upgraded. De I, I was definitely, yeah, I, I was definitely seventeen when you bought it. Um, you were, yeah, but you, you probably were as well. Um, but I remember because it was, it was a big deal. You, um, you know, you'd saved up money from your like weekend yeah. job. And it's something you'd been looking at. And back then we were obviously, we were like trying to, we were trying to figure out what sound we want, what sounds cool. And the whole thing of the Valvetronics for you, and even from my point of view, my bandmate having it was like, 
oh my god there's so much cool stuff you can do just in one amp you know if we want delay there's delay if we want like you know some kind of like uh distortion there's distortion there's all this cool stuff there's reverb there's everything that we we would possibly want which was perfect for i guess you know 17 year old starting out for you and it was it was really really cool and it fulfilled a purpose for a very very long time and like you said very intuitive and we've dialed some very very good tones out of it um yeah i think there was definitely a desire to have like a different sound for each song um and an amp that did everything was a great way to just sort of like right i press this button and we're playing this song i press this button we're playing this song you know yeah yeah but i think obviously as you've got grown up and gotten more into like you know your music and obviously you've been able to have a bigger budget because you know as your adult you have a job hopefully you know you start and if you start earning a bit more money you want to put a bit more money to your hobby and also you know you your taste has developed over the years and one of the things one i think and this will this relates i think to your choice of amp is one of the things that you've definitely kind of uh developed in the last five or six years is your pedal board um you know um you're the one person the who i jam with on a consistent basis who kind of decided right i actually want to have a pedal board with different effects and these are the pedals that you know it's not been like you didn't decide from day dot right these are the pedals i want but you've done some research and stuff and been like i want this pedal because it does this thing in a unique way and i like it i want like the strymon El capistan because that does the delay in a way i like it you know um chase the chase bliss is it the earthquaker i think you have so all these different pedals you know and uh, no, i think got the uh, levitation sorry the levitation um and so you've got all these pedals with the unique characteristics so i think for you it was now a case of well i've got a pedal board that does all of this that what my amp used to do and you know the amps now by old you've had it for nearly 14 15 years and i think it was now time to have an amp that gives a really nice tone in you know you've always gone after a really nice clean warm tone but then can let the pedals also do their thing. Um, so I, it kind of, from my point of view, made sense. And plus, from another point of view, I was just like, dude, it's time. I don't know how you've managed yeah. to wait that long. And actually, you make a good point about the pedal, because in in terms of all the on, onboard effects of the amp, and it does have a bunch of things that my pedal board doesn't have. So it's got like, you know, chorus and, and more pedal, but because I've got, that collection of pedals that are how I've chosen to sound. I actually haven't really touched the onboard effects on the box. I can't remember the last time I used them. So yeah, and and the, oh, because yeah, and those ones rather than wanting to go to the amp and thinking, oh, for this song, do I want the room? Do I want the spring? Or do I want the plate? No, I've got my levitation pedal that sounds the reverb that I want it to sound like. Um, and mm. so it was time to get the amp that had yep. the sound of the app that I want to sound like. And, and I don't just mean like a one-trick pony. I still wanted something that was versatile, but that was versatile within its own character and not yes. something that I could like turn a knob and it to morph into a completely different amplifier, something that I could turn a knob and it would still be the same amplifier, but in a slightly different mood. We did a little bit of chatting beforehand in the week, a week, couple of weeks leading up to you deciding that you were definitely going to go and get an amp. Um, you had a budget in, in mind, and you did a you did the research of where was going to be the best place to go to get what you wanted because it, you know, the amp that you ended up with or what the amps you wanted to try were amps that are probably maybe a few years old. Um, so generally the initial stocks have kind of sold out. So some places stocked them still; others would have had to order them in. Okay, so at this point I'll go down the sort of the, the sort of rundown of of what I was interested in. Um, I'd so in terms of other small, I tried a couple of like small fenders and things like that in the past and liked them, but known it wasn't quite what I wanted. I've always mm-hmm. been a fan of box amplifiers. So, the, as, as I said, the valve trunks I had is a box amplifier, and actually, the settings of the modeling that I've mostly was sticking to were its models of other box amps. Um, and you know, this partly this is one of those things where. At that formative age, a lot of the bands I liked happened to be playing boxes, and it 
it just yeah it's it's embedded um so those that was in terms of their small amps they've got the sort of ac4 range of which i was mainly looking at the uh sort of 12 inch one um there's also the ac10 which has the small speaker but has two power valves so it's got more power and another ac4 but the actual hand wired one so rather than being uh, all printed circuit boards is hand wired there in the name <laughs> um so yeah i those are the sort of vox ones i wanted to try um yeah. and also as a, as a bit of um a sort of counterpoint that uh blackstar recently released a series of small valve amps because uh, it was their 10th anniversary so they did um limited runs of a thousand of each of small amps based on their series one the artisan series and the artist series um yeah. so they, these were yeah little what made them really cool was that they didn't use the sort of valves that you would normally associate with small amps normally small amps have got the, the less powerful valves in it but these had um a kt i think 88 or it might be 66 in the series one an el34 into an el84 in the artisan and a 606 in the artist and so you know this is pretty cool um black star are a company that i've always liked when i've been in a we've been in a practice room and they've got a, a black star i've always sort of made my way over to it sort of pushing george out of the way i want that one um <laughs> Yeah, this has seen the struggle. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and so I, I wanted to sort of try then as as a sort of like a bit of a a different sort of point of view to make sure I wasn't just going with, um, you know, those bands I'd imprinted on as a teenager. Um, yeah. So of those, the Vox, the normal AC4 and the AC10 were pretty widespread. Um, some places had the Blackstar Artist. Um, I think the Artisans seemed to be sold out of all the stores that we wanted. So that yeah, we didn't uh, you know. see them, did we? I mean, the thing is, those ones were limited, so it sort of um, it may well be that they just sort of sold out. Uh, and the AC4 hand wired was really hard to get hold of. Like Anderson didn't have it. Um, we tried. We phoned up PMT Music in London. Didn't have it. We, uh, I think, we phoned Guitar Guitar as well. Didn't have it. Uh, we walked, yeah. you know, up and down Denmark Street. Very hard to find. You know, most shops didn't have it. And um, and can I can I just add uh, uh, yeah. as as a caveat to in the blistering heat in central London in August when there's just tourists everywhere. So it was like a goddamn sauna on Friday. So yeah. just made it even more tougher. And I was also, you know, in terms of like choices, open to um, the guy working in the shop saying, oh, I can see you're after a small valve amp. If you like those, you should try this. Um, and if, you know, so I was open to any wild cards, but that didn't really come up. So yeah, no, we, we tried them. Um, I mean, there's a bit more of a um, sort of rundown uh, on the video um and there's if you check out our social media there's a little bit of a clip of me playing the ac10 i but will just, um, just just to interject sorry i'll put the links yeah, yeah. for all this stuff in the description so you can check out the video and you can even see mark's face and him being happy Ooh, link into the social media from the podcast and then people can okay. go on our social media and see us linking to the podcast and the circle is complete um so before I go through sort of my um, sort of assessments of them and what led me to my final decision, what were your sort of um, views on the different amps that we tried? So, and I I might have mentioned this a little bit in the in the video. Um, so you started off with the AC4, and um, yeah. that sounded I liked the sound of that. It was it's a very very simple amp. You know, I think how many what it had like three four pots tops no more than that um yeah you know and it just gave a really nice clean pristine valve sound and it was just it was really good and really easy to manipulate 
I found that the treble was really responsive. You know, you knocked it back, the bass would just kind of kind of flow in and take over. And it, yeah, it was a great little amp. Um, then you tried the AC10, slightly bigger, had a bit more option. It also had a built-in reverb as well, which obviously, as you've already mentioned, you've got a really nice reverb pedal. So you probably wouldn't find too much use for it. It had a, you said this in the shop at the time, and I agree with you, it had a slightly darker sound it did. It was slightly bigger with the 10, was it the 10-inch speaker in there? And um, It had a smaller speaker, but the cab was a bit bigger. Ah, right, okay. Yep, there we go. And it's it, it did sound, it sounded very nice. But I think for the potential price differential and um, the size and everything, I don't think it sounded miles better to me than the AC4. If anything, I preferred the AC4 slightly more than the AC10. I don't know why. It was just one of those things. I like the vibe of the AC4. Um, and then you yeah. tried that. And then, and then we ended up, after doing a little bit of digging around, we did find a shop that had the AC4 hand-wired. And when you first tried that, I was a little bit underwhelmed. But I think that was a combination of we were in a very small shop and there were two other guys, or there, there was at least one other guy, right? Not like literally like next to us playing something on some weird pedal. Yeah, the guy and, inside. Yeah. And because it is a quite a small shop and in Denmark Street, the shops are just, they're just not that big. There's just not enough space. So if you are trying out an amp, you're generally fighting against, you know, uh, someone else trying it's just part and parcel of the experience um yeah, yeah. so at first i i think and looking back on it, it this is probably because you know you had your you had the amp on the hand wired and you were trying it and there's there's two other people playing outside of you and i was just i don't think maybe i could hear what it was doing properly and i was a little bit underwhelmed i was like oh hang on the ac4 sounded better to me um but you know and then you tried out, uh, and then I think you were actually able to try it for a few minutes and with no one else playing. And then I actually heard it, and I was like, actually, yeah, it's got a little bit more, it's a little bit more characterful, it's slightly more warmer. And, um, as you mentioned, the top end is a little bit more, it's got a little bit more oomph behind it and a little bit it's more body smoother, behind it. I think, isn't it? Yeah, 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 uh, smoother and a bit more warmth as well, not yeah. maybe as not as that not that kind of like slightly kind of i don't nasally kind of top end thing that sometimes just sounds like oh you know i'm gonna have yeah. to do something in post uh um, yeah, both of them had a sort of similar character and it was quite nice because yeah we tried the ac4 in one shop but they didn't have the hand wired the shop we did find the hand wired in also had a, a sort of standard ac4 so we was able to do a little comparison there and for me the, the big thing was that the there was just that one of the things that Vox is sort of famous for is that sort of treble and being sort of nice and bright and cutting. And both of them did have that. But the that high end on the standard one was just a little bit more brittle, whereas this one was just a bit sort of silkier, a bit smoother. And that, that for me was the the deciding between the two amps. And as as you may have guessed from the way this conversation has gone, that is the one that I bought. Uh should we have a little audio clip? Yes. So you did a little recording. Yes. Yeah, so let's start with the, the clean bit. that with all these clips um i'm using uh my guitar which is uh the ltd x-tone pa1 um which if i was just doing this as a sort of review rather than look at the cool amp i bought would be a, a terrible guitar to pick because it's um sort of got a, a semi-hollow body and then instead of electromagnetic pickups it's got an electric transducer underneath the saddle which gives us a sort of hybrid electric acoustic sound and i love it but it's like not a, a sort of standard electric guitar sound so you know um i these aren't your sort of <laughs> classic review tones but never mind uh i i really like that sound what do you think 
yeah, I, I like that clean. It's got that nice warmth to it. Um, you know, um, it's it's got that nice like warm. There's depth to it as well, and uh, yeah. like you said, it, it doesn't. The top end doesn't sound brittle. You know, uh, sometimes with some small amps it can sound, and then you have to go into post and start doing all sorts of kind of like I'm looking at this from a recording point of view. You know, um, and then you have to start doing some. Yeah, I mean, from a recording point of view, I should say that I did nothing in post. Um, I used the Blue Spark yep. that we talked about earlier, placed a meter or so. So, like, you know, where a sort of listener or where I might be when I'm playing it. it so, it still it does have some of the room sound in there, but there's no reverb, no compression. Just it is just that is just the tone recorded from the amp yeah. as well as I could. Um, the uh, the second audio clip is one of the things that I, I sort of showing why I wanted that sort of small valve amp because you can sort of push it in ways that you that just well let's have a listen. So yeah, no, I, I just sort of like having the ability to control how much distortion there is with how hard I play and sort of being able to go from fairly clean to sort of quite snarly with with just um, how I'm playing. And this, I, I did obviously tweak the settings a bit and I did have to turn down the microphone a bit because it obviously got quite a bit louder than it was in that clean setting. What do you think of uh, that sort of transition-y sound? It has that dirt to it it's a very responsive amp so like when you and which is the thing that i know you like in that you know when you do play harder it gets the tone just starts dirtying up a little bit um and it's got this gets a bit more spankier on the high high end um tone you know it gets that kind of spanky slappy kind of vibe which sounds really really cool yeah no in the, no pedals either I, i'm it does work so beautifully with my pedals i'm loving it okay the last little clip um that I have is it's actually using the same settings as the last one, but this time I'm I'm sort of playing uh, you know quite aggressively you know aggressively with a fair amount of attack. I engage the other feature that this amp has that the standard AC4 doesn't, where it's got this hot and cool switch. So the cool mode is your sort of standard um, AC4 you know box top boost circuit. On the hot mode. It basically um, cuts out the the tone stack. Um, I mean, they still have a bit of an effect on it, but it's letting a lot more of the signal through. So you get a volume boost, you get a, a gain boost, and as you are about to hear, you do get that that you know extra distortion. So it starts off fairly like sort of you know, and and gets that bit more drivey halfway through. So yeah, great fun to play with. Um, and actually, I really like the hot mode. Like just even dialing it down to use a clean tone. There's something about that sort of raw sound that's really nice. What do you think? Yeah, it it gives it gives you options, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it, it's it's very very cool. I, I like that you've got the option of that of that hot there. You know, um, just to get that slightly hotter kind of sound if you want, just straight through the amp. Um, I, I think with what you've got there, you'll be able to do a lot, and it's a very you amp. So, I I think personally, you've made you've made a good choice, and I can see us recording it an awful lot in the in the future with a lot of with you know all your various combinations of pedals and stuff. My only bugbear, and again, I mentioned this in the video as well, is <laughs> you know everything's upside down in terms of the writing on the pots it's all it's it's all done so normally on a normal amp if you if you if you are playing in front of it you look at the and if it's based on the top of the amp you know you look at it and it's you know so that it's the right way up when you're standing in front of the amp with the with this one the ac4 hand wired i don't know why they've done it and i don't know maybe it's just a quirk or what they thought or maybe they just decided you know what we'll just mess with people they decided to Put it the other way around so that in order for it to be the right way up you'd have to be 
behind the amp. And as far as I know, no one plays with themselves behind the amp. They always play in front of the amp. So when I was trying to dial in tones for you at the um, at the shop, and it was, I couldn't get behind the amp, so I had to do it upside down, and it really messes with your head. So I'd say that's my only bugbear with it, but that's just a thing that you're probably going to get used to within two minutes. But yeah, and actually, I just I just want to finish this with a, a shout out to Regent Sounds on Denmark Street, who a had it in stock, thank you. B were very helpful, thank you, and. C um, had it at quite a nice discount. Um, so it was a couple hundred pounds less than the list price, which I was very happy about. Uh, it means I've got more money for spend on pedals. Now, as always, it's time to wrap up. But before we go, Mark, what have you been listening to since the last podcast? Or is there anything of particular interest you feel the people out there should know so about. i was having a listen to uh in the last podcast uh you recommended a band to me um, I did. i've forgotten their name the collider Collider. no what was it called oh what the was contortionist it? was it the contortionist the contortionist i knew it began with a so yeah, yeah the contortionist That's uh yeah, so yeah. i had uh, a listen to their stuff um my uh reaction to it is actually quite similar to like this is this is a reaction that you get quite a few times when you recommend stuff to me do you know what i'm gonna say oh god i should do but i don't right at this moment in time <laughs> basically i liked the the instrumentation but the vocals but, didn't really do anything for I me i thought yeah i thought um, the vocals wouldn't be your th- wouldn't be your thing actually yeah and it, it was something where it actually made the whole thing quite easy to ignore um and actually it's like when i was listening to it it's like oh you know they're, they're doing some some cool things here but i also found that i checked something on twitter and sort of when i looked up i'd sort of completely ignored three songs um and it's sort of like i yeah there was just sort of it didn't have that sort of thing to just sort of grab my attention and say stop looking at twitter you twat um and so yeah no good stuff in there but it it didn't grab me and i think the sort of yeah the the sort of lack of conviction in the vocals was part of that uh yeah i know i know i know with you like that 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 vocal style doesn't necessarily that's probably where where you and i probably differ i, I i'm quite i quite dig that kind of vocal style but i know for you you want it to have a little bit more behind it so yeah i uh, yeah i probably should have thought about that but yeah it's, it's so long ago no, no, was, I'm, I, thank you for recommending it to me i was <laughs> um there was some good stuff in there um not one that i'm gonna be going out and, and sort of buying the album off, but i'm glad i had a listen yeah 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 so uh what have you been so for me i've been i've been kind of like pretty much ever since we've started this podcast i've been down this whole kind of proggy mainly instrumental kind of route kind of you know starting with the helix nebula with it then going with intervals to an extent the contortionist a little bit like that but they do have vocals mm-hmm. um but and recently um since the last podcast i've been listening to a lot of um an artist called pliny now if you listen to stuff like intervals and helix nebula and contortionist and all that kind of stuff and even maybe like periphery uh, you and uh, animals as leaders you will have heard of uh pliny it's he's one guy um who's kind of he's released a few albums and singles and stuff does the whole instrumental kind of thing uh really really well i really like the way he composes and structures the guitar and um and then you know and then the bass lines as well it's it's there is a lot of like complex rhythmical stuff going on and then you know with the bass and the drums laying down the foundations and then the guitars doing all kinds of like things and he's um he's one of those pe- these people who seems like as a virtuoso you know and he's got ridiculous amount of skill um i've been listening to a lot of this stuff so i would definitely recommend it go and check out Pliny on spotify uh, he's been around for ages and he's been again one of these people who i knew of but i just kind of not got around to sitting down listening and now i was like you know what i'll check him out and i've been digging it a lot and then 
just to finish off uh, over the last few days i've gone a bit 80s vibey by listening to the midnight and they're super super 80s like you know they're super 80s vibe so uh, 80s <laughs> yeah so 80s uh, so much 80s like synth um it sounds great um it's 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 quite an easy listen while you're driving and um my fiance has also been digging it as well. So that always helps, you know. So we've been listening to it with like, you know, while driving around in, and when it's very hot in the summer, it's kind of good driving music. So The Midnight and Pliny have been my two things, really. So yeah, that's what I've been checking out. So go ahead and check them out yourselves. I think that's another episode of the podcast done. Now, there might be a bit of a gap between the next one because, Mark, you're off to uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for a couple of weeks. So I'm sure you'll be in the next podcast. Tell us all about that because I'm sure I'll be asking you about that. So you go and have... Yeah, no, we... Um, when when Vish was over there, though, we were like, going out shopping. Um, we actually had a look at some of the, the musical acts that are on in Edinburgh. It's, it's the most famous for its comedy with the sort of fringe stuff but it's a you know whole cultural festival so i'm gonna when i'm there i'll make sure i check out some of the music and if i find anything at all interesting i will report back Perfect. and if i find anything really good i will definitely report back <laughs> awesome so yeah guys hopefully you've been but at all interesting is my main best one <laughs> of course so yeah hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this podcast as always give us uh you know if you like what you hear let us know follow us on uh facebook on you can listen to all the music we've worked on on Bandcamp. we are also on twitter so give us a follow just look for orbital decay records um you know across facebook twitter uh we aren't on instagram yet we might be at some point and on Bandcamp. so just look for orbital decay records you'll find us there Give us a follow and make sure you check out Mark's big smiley face when he unveils his amp. And it's a very lovely amp. So until next time, we will see you later. Bye from me and bye from Mark. Bye, Mark.